0: Hey everyone, this is Craig Horlbeck from the Ringer Fantasy Football Show. Join me, Danny Heifetz, and Danny Kelly every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday to help you win your draft, win your league, and most importantly, avoid that last place punishment. Follow the Ringer Fantasy Football Show on Spotify. It's the Ringer's Philly special presented by FanDuel. The playoff action is heating up The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus, 18 plus in DC and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit rg-help.com. There's no better feeling than a personal win and the State Farm Personal Price Plan can help you do just that.
2: It's
0: truly a Philly day here. Welcome to the Ringer's Philly special. Shield Kapadia here joined by ace producer Cliff Augustine. He was just given, given Sean and I all kinds of parking stories. We said we're going to make that a regular segment in future episodes. I'm, of course, joined on the midweek Eagle shell by my friend Sean Syed of Sumer Sports. We will talk about the film from the Rams game, Look Ahead. To the Jets game, Sean. A little bit of a later record. I mean, ha- how are you feeling? Do you, what did you call them? Natural sugars from the apple that got a lot of <laughs> pop. I'll tell you, on my private text threads, people like the natural sugars. How are the energy levels feeling today? Chill. I'm doing well. I'm more concerned about you. <laughs> ne- I mean, I would
1: never, ever <laughs> comment you on your be. age. I think you're you're young and spry. But you got these all these Phillies <laughs> games. Seems like you know there's there's some emotions going on last night. I che- I checked the ESPN yeah. app to see the scores. I am much more concerned. <laughs> about you and Cliff having to do this all the time. And then we, we got you on all these other shows. She'll, you know, I'm always concerned about you, but I feel I feel confident that you'll pull through on this one.
0: Yeah, I appreciate that. You might have to carry me a little bit uh, here today. We're recording a day early. Like you said, Philly's doing things to my emotions in addition to, you know, doing the uh, extra pots. Listen, it's all fun. We're not complaining. We're talking about sports uh, for a living. What else can we ask for? But you're right. You know, if I seem a little disorganized, if you answer a question and then I just start asking you about something random, you'll know what's going on. But let's get to the good stuff. Eagles most complete win uh of their season against the Rams. Let's start with the offense and we're trying we're we're brainstorming some different formats, the structure of the show. If there's something you want from Sean every week, let us know. I mean, I'm not going to promise that we're going to do it, but maybe uh we'll mix it in there. So, uh here's what the numbers say about the offense, Sean. Uh based on all of Jalen Hurts' starts the last two season, this game ranked 3rd out of 23 in EPA per drive. Only their two games against the Giants last year uh, were better. So 454 yards, 28 first downs, eight possessions. They score on five of them. I mean, by most metrics, this is like, wow, this is a very good, a very impressive offensive performance. On the season, Sean, they are averaging 26.4 points per game. Last year, remember that team that made the Super Bowl that everyone said, look, man, they were so much better last year than this year. That team averaged 27.2 points per game, less than one point more than this year. Based on EPA per drive, based on success rate, this team's actually performing better than last team, which no one would... What are you talking about? I'm telling you, I, I triple check these numbers. Uh, they're fifth in EPA per drive, fourth in success rate, seventh in DVOA. Now, there are some red zone numbers that we're going to get to, Sean, in a little bit, where people are probably yelling at their... Cars? I don't know. Where, where, where do you think the majority of people are listening to this? Cars, Jim. What do you think? When you picture 100%. the Philly Special <laughs> listener, what, what what are you picturing?
1: Great question. I like to think maybe they're going outside on a walk. You know, let's get a little bit of physical activity there. You were complaining to me. Air. Yeah, you were complaining to me earlier today about stretching. Let's let's get you oh. a standing desk and uh, and all the all the. I'm The Philly
0: Special. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm standing right now. Not only do I stand, but I still I, you stand here all day. I still need to get the hammies loose before the nighttime pod. So yeah, I need to. I need fresh air and I need walks. That's what I need. Thirty minutes a day. I should be doing that regardless of what else is happening. All right, I like that. People are going for a walk. They're listening. They're yelling. Don't forget about the red zone offense. We're gonna get to that. Cliff, Cliff jumped in here. What does what Cliff got for us? Look,
2: man. You know where the people of Philly special are watching. Man, they 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 walking around Center City walking around Kelly, around Kelly <laughs> Drive, Fairmount Park, downtown, Tasker, <laughs> up in North Philly and Alney near LaSalle, Temple, Lea chorus my alma mater, Al Drexel, you know, near 30th Street, 30th to 50th Street in West Philly. Our Philly special listeners, we all over. And there's a lot of listeners right where I'm at in New York City, too, as well. So shout out to all the lovely listeners. Shout out to people overseas. Shout out to the people across the United States. That's where we get the Philly special listeners from, bro. They all authentic right now, man. Somebody, somebody's probably gonna be listening to this right now, and they'll probably be going, you know, go to Angel's or something like that, about to get themselves a, little, a nice little slice or a cheese or a cheese stick or something. <laughs> Maybe, you know what? Maybe you can stand in that ridiculous DeLisandro line for an hour, and then this will fill your time. Okay. Listen, oh, no. there's Don't get him of started. Uh-huh. There's about to do the places you can listen to the Philly special, and I just named about a good six or seven of them. There you Wherever go. those Fish people on. are from,
1: we just need those people to support Shield's lower back. So,
2: all
0: <laughs> you, true.
1: everyone, yeah, you but know, put that all together. Let's make sure we get that through.
0: There you go. I, I agree. I'm not, you know, I'm not even going to say you're uh, wrong about it. There you go. Cliff with the roll call. I like that. Yes, we do have listeners from all over. All right. We're going to start with what we liked. We're going to do a little likes, dislikes, little Zach Lowe. I think he first started uh, this column. Let's start with what we liked about the Eagles offense uh, from this game, Sean. Number one on my list was Jalen Hurts as a runner. We talked about this during the postgame pod. They unleashed him a little bit. This looked a little bit like last year. Uh, We can get to some specific plays. But what did you like about Jalen Hurts, the way he used his legs in this game?
1: What I really liked is we saw Jalen Hurts as a runner in the designed run game, but then also on out of structure second reaction plays. And he just looked better than he has all year so far. It's so backbreaking as a defense. You get the offense into third and long, everyone is covered. Maybe you get pressure. And then Hurts still finds a way to get that first down. And on one of his runs, Hurts was kind of like pushed from the inside. And then stumbles a bit. And if you slow motion it, it looks like any human being's leg would just snap clean off. So like my right, I was making fun of you for your lower back. My right hip (laughs) almost just like hurts watching that. And I do like that Brian Johnson, they run different things with him. They get into that counter bash game a little bit. And it lets Hurts be a little bit more vertical where we don't need to beat the defensive end in space in the zone read game and even one of the runs that maybe goes under the radar i think it was earlier in the game just to scramble outside in the red zone he gets three or four yards and he's able to get the end that's what i think is important to me where he clearly still has burst in him so even though that's not a 65 yard touchdown or even the most fun run play to look at from his whole entire game if he has the ability to get that edge it means a lot and shows that you know he probably is healthy and you know maybe he just listens to all the all the Philly comments and says, you know what? I, I still got it in me.
0: It, it is so funny. I mean, we said after the last game, it was like, no, no, no. He had this 24-yard run. I think it was in the fourth quarter against the Bucs. No, that looked like him. He can't, if he's injured, he would not be able to do this. So he was able to do that. And then that kind of carried over into this game. Yeah, the one you're talking about uh, where it really looks uh, cool on film. Maybe I'll, I can post this one later. The 17-yard scramble, third and seven in the third quarter. And that was like, That might have been the biggest play of the game, probably top five. I mean, it's a 17-14 game there, okay? It's third and seven in the third quarter. Eagles at their own 38. So they're probably not, you know, maybe if you get to fourth and one, fourth and two, you go for it. Otherwise, you're punting there it's like, all right, he's probably, I think it was Byron Young chased him down and then there's a corner to that side and he's got to kind of fit in between them, take a hit and stumble forward and get the first down and he gets 17 yards. And you can just see the like expressions, the the what, what you see from the Rams sideline. Uh, I always like watching and it's exactly what you said. They're like, we just did everything right. And the players gave full effort. We didn't bring him down. And now they still have the football and they, and they could potentially, um, you know, they're going to cross midfield here and potentially get into scoring range. So yeah, that was absolutely uh, a backbreaker. So that was the scrambles. He scrambled for a third down conversion. He scrambled for that one. Um, and then like you mentioned, the designed run game. Do you have a favorite run scheme? This is like a very nerdy question, but I know you and I know probably like the text threads you're on and I know that you probably do have a favorite run scheme. So uh, am, am I wrong? You've yeah, thought no, about this before. Yeah, I'm not the first person who's asked you this.
1: Yeah, absolutely right. It's it's 100. <laughs> it's outside zone. If you go on my Twitter, check the the pin thread or the pin tweet. It's a uh, like everyone's favorite offensive coordinator. I know every all the listeners' favorite offensive coordinator, Kyle Shanahan. I really love outside zone. I'll, I'll give a give a little spiel on it. It's just so adjustable. Like you can make it work against all the different defensive fronts. But I, I do think it's important. We do talk about counter bash specifically that was the run Mm, that's my favorite
0: that's why I was asking you yeah I I think that's my favorite name right oh that I think that's probably mostly why I like it but it also does look so cool when it hits
1: it does so when we use the word bash it just means the running back is running away from the blocking scheme so counter bash the quarterback is going to be the player that is following along counter and then the bash it's a horizontal stretch from the running back And usually the defensive end is going to be unblocked. And generally, the quarterback is going to read that defensive end. And if the defensive end chases a quarterback, go ahead and let's hand the ball off, get the edge. If the defensive end honors that run fake, the quarterback has it well blocked for counter. And so I assume that Jalen Hurts is probably reading the defensive end. I was unsure one time because it didn't really look like he was even looking over there. But it's a good way that you can get the numbers advantage back for the offense and yeah, Counter Bash, a, gr- a great name for sure. Uh, I don't know, maybe like Crack Toss is, is a cool name as well. But again, I liked it for the Eagles because it, again, it gets Jalen Hurts vertical. I do think he has the ability to win in space, but as, as a defender at that second and third level, I like Jalen Hurts running at directly at me a whole lot less.
0: Yeah, this was a go-to run scheme for the Eagles last year, really, since you know Jalen Hurts uh, has been there. I don't like chart every run scheme, but it definitely feels like they've used it less this year, but they used it in in, in this game and to what Sean's talking about, um, back away from the scheme. So you see the two pullers and Jalen Hurts is following uh, those two pullers and and, and he's running the football or he's handing the football off uh, again away from the scheme, but he kept it. It was a 10-yard run in the red zone uh, early in this game where uh, that that was one of the ones that I wrote down. They had a little quarterback draw uh, out of empty a third and nine, a 12-yard run. I, I was uh, I was excited because you slow that one down and like Aaron Donald, I think was being blocked by, I don't know if it was Kelsey or Suo Peta, but Jalen Hurst kind of did a little peekaboo with him where, you know, he started to go right and then Donald is fighting the block and going that way. And then no, he comes back and it's just like, Most people are not able to do this with Aaron Donald for a 12-yard gain on third and nine. I think sometimes we take some of that stuff uh, for granted with Jalen Hurts. But that was another uh, good sign to see that the QB draw game was working for them in some high leverage spots as well.
1: I like that one particularly because I'm pretty sure the defense was in what's called a rush front. So I really hope I'm not getting this one wrong. I'm pretty sure... Uh, I think it was right. But basically, the defensive tackles, they're a little bit wider. So they're playing kind of on the inside in between the guards and the tackles. And the inside is open. So it's a good example that the Eagles are able to, what I would think of, hey, a running quarterback draw on third and long not hasn't been the right. best concept for us all year. <laughs> Look, they're able to get it. So, so we make the critique, hey, you run the outside zone on third and seven. It didn't work. It's bad. You run quarterback draw and Jalen Hurts makes it work it it all it it looks a lot shinier, and on that play, I think Jason Kelsey did a really good job of getting to that second and third level, so hertz looked awesome doing the dance, but hey don't forget don't forget about those big guys up front
0: yeah the the big boys were uh were playing well for sure, all right, so Jalen hurts is a runner what well, was definitely top of my list, what I liked about the Eagles and this game, play, not that he needs to run it you know fifteen times a game. I just like like it it's part of who he is, so unless he's injured, and again, if you're up by two touchdowns in the second half. I'm saying don't call any. You don't need to be calling uh, Bash here. Just hand the football off and you're fine. But, you know, this was a a tight game for the most part. And you're trying to win these games. Like there's only 17 games. So there's only so much you can say save for December. We know how NFL coaches are. Like they're trying to win every game. So I like seeing that. It proved, yeah, nothing's wrong with him physically. He still got it. It was kind of a choice. It seemed like uh, from the coaching staff. All right. Number two, Jalen Hurts as a passer. Uh, mentioned on the post game, the guy threw for 300 and ran for 70. Again, these are not common numbers to put up uh, for a quarterback. So uh, as a passer, also very good, not perfect. You know, there were some plays left on the field, some throws he missed, but uh, overall they just hit on so many explosive plays and he did some really nice stuff uh, in this game. The first one, I know, I know you were uh, mentioning to me the t- first touchdown to Dallas Uh, What did you like about that play? And what did you like specifically about what Jalen Hurts did there?
1: I love that Hurts, he really has to hold that safety with his eyes before firing it in. And then after you're able to do that, you have to understand every ball to receiver. It's not just like in Madden where you just lead the receiver, where now Madden does a better job of letting you throw behind a bit. But that throw really (laughs) forces Dallas Goddard to settle up. If it's thrown ahead, it is a dangerous, dangerous play. The safety can make a play on the ball. The safety can try and separate Goddard from the ball. I like the spacing of the play. I think Devontae Smith was holding space underneath, had a running back getting into the flat. And then to the opposite side, they had two slant routes where, you know, if if Jalen Hurts wants that one-on-one to A.J. Brown, he can take that. So it felt like a good design where Brian Johnson and the offensive staff understood this is the covers that we're most likely going to get to it. And if Hurts is able to trust the process on that one, trust the process, a great Philly term, I know he is able to find that window that again, it is, it is not easy to anticipate like that, to trust it where you're not looking at the receiver. And then all of that combined with throwing the ball that stops Goddard in his tracks and doesn't lead him into the defense.
0: Yeah. I love the ball placement point there. Cause you, sometimes you watch it live Oh, you know, quarterbacks throwing behind the, behind the guy there. And then you watch it there and it's like, No, no, no. That's like exactly where the ball uh, needed to be. Like you said, if you lead him on that, he is getting killed uh, on that play, which he did not. So uh, that was really nice. Uh, We talked last week about, hey, how come it's not, you know, getting to the the backside dig, the third read in the progression? And you did a great job explaining. Well, sometimes it's a half field read. And if it's not there, you're going to have to take off because the timing's off. But that's not every concept. And there was a concept uh, in this game where he got to A.J. Brown on the backside dig for a 24 yard completion. I think he was looking at the right side. Then he comes back to the left side. AJ Brown's kind of crossing his face and he lays the football out in front of him for 24 yards. Um, Kind of what did you see on that play? And, and, And am I correct? That is an example of, hey, he is getting to like his, you know, third read or whatever on that play.
1: So that play, I think they've run it a little bit earlier in the season where to an isolated receiver side, they have Dallas Goddard running what some people would call a swirl route or corner stop. Basically, the receiver's running straight. They're going to break on a 45-degree angle to the outside and then stop and curl back to the quarterback. And it can give the quarterback different answers, whether they like that matchup in man coverage, where it seemed like that's where Hurts maybe wanted to go at first, and that's why he was looking over there. And then to the backside, they have pretty much just a dagger concept uh, from a three-receiver side, where the outside receiver is running that kind of short in route. A.J. Brown's really the target route. And then they have a vertical clearing route where something that's cool just about or maybe it's not cool but I think it's cool basically the clear out route depending on how the safety is played that's going to change if the receiver goes further inside or further straight so sometimes if you're like drawing routes on a card or something you just might miss a nuance just because how defense is expressed can change how offense is expressed and what I liked about that play a little bit more than just going through that progression was Hertz looks so comfortable in the pocket course that's mm-hmm. certainly a product of having in, just an incredible offensive line but just patient 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 where if someone wants to complain about bailing that's definitely not a play because he is standing in there confidently get the ball to aj brown in space and let him run
0: yeah there were some uh some immaculate pockets in this game i do think the Rams' defense probably wore down in the second half of that game i mean the eagles were on the field i think 77 plays they had what a 17 play drive, uh, you know, m- multiple uh, drives over 10 plays. So I think that also helps the offensive line uh, late in the game when the defense. Although I never, I never totally understood that, Sean, because if you're saying the defense is wearing down, the defense is rotating people in, and the offensive linemen are staying on the field. For all, can you explain this today? All all your your coach coaching clinics and coach speak. How does that make any sense? Shouldn't the offensive line be wearing down when they're not off the field? This wasn't on our rundown or in the outline that we share. This just—I told you some stuff. This is going to be—you're going to get some nonsense from me today, and that's that's one that I need your opinion on.
1: Well, Sheila, if you're a defensive lineman, you know you spent (laughs) your whole life getting sacks, getting after the quarterback. On the offensive side, if the offensive linemen, you know, they can start leaning on those defensive players. Look, I don't care who you are. (laughs) If you have Jason Kelsey in a double team against you, you're going to get worn down. It doesn't matter if you're taking one snap. Mm. It doesn't matter if you're taking 12 snaps. So, (laughs) yeah, the is the defense getting worn down thing is always interesting. Maybe, you know, the offensive line is they're playing like a little bit further back than or they're playing obviously backwards where the defensive line, they need to explode off the ball. And really get after you. And I like to think of the offensive linemen, you know, their equivalent on the opposite side is the cornerbacks, where the defensive linemen are the receivers, right? They're trying to run at people, they're trying to beat them. And then, if anything, we need to complain about receivers just get to take plays off, right? Because they can cycle out. We got other people on the sidelines. You know, I know the Eagles don't carry a ton of receivers, but then these poor cornerbacks just go snap after snap after snap. Doesn't matter. We ran you 40 yards down the field, get back and take another snap. So, I'm going to go ahead and change that. Let, let's feel bad for the defensive guys sometimes, Shield.
0: Yeah, I'm, ch- you know, I, I think your first point there is a good one is that the offense, it's it's kind of a numbers game. The offensive lineman, a lot of times you're going five versus four, you know? So you, you're like every play, you have a little bit of an advantage. Like not everyone has to win a one on one thing. So I think uh, that's fair. Whereas you're a defensive lineman, I mean, poor Aaron Donald. In this game, I mean, my God, he's probably like, Can I just get a one-on-one, one time at some point uh, in this game here. So yeah, I think, uh, I think you're definitely right there. Uh, and the quarter, yeah, you know, I, I had my whole thing about how it sucks to play wide receiver last time. I mean, cornerback is just as bad. You know, anytime you give up a play, you have some jabroni, you know, in the third row. You get your head around. that. Well, no, you're not always taught to get your head around. You got to be right. You got to play through the receiver's hands. I think James Bradbury, the touchdown he gave up, it was like he was in pretty good position if he could have just played through the receiver's hands. So I think that sucks also. But cornerback at least, like, you're, you don't have to take on as much contact, which that would be appealing to me if I was forced to play uh, a defensive position in a football game. All right. I don't know what I'm talking about on this podcast. This, this could last three hours, and this could be the last time Sean agrees to do one of these. All right, let's take a little break. We'll come back. We'll get to some more stuff on the offense. Get ready to start the NFL week off right because right now all customers can get a no-sweat same-game parlay for Thursday night football. Just place a three-leg same-game parlay on this week's game between the Chiefs and the Broncos, and you will get a bonus bets back if you don't win. All right, here's one I'm looking at. All right, we got Kansas City Chiefs money line. They're 10.5-point favorites. Feel good about that one. Isaiah Pacheco, anytime touchdown scorer and Isaiah Pacheco alt-rushing yards over 50 yards. So if Pacheco gets over 50 yards rushing and scores a touchdown and the Chiefs win... Plus 111. Come on. Those are good odds. He's going to run all over that Broncos defense. Listen, you can ignore that and build your own or choose from one of the popular SGPs pre-built for you in FanDuel's top-rated sportsbook app. And FanDuel is now live in Kentucky. Download the app now and take advantage of their great special offers, boosts, and more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Ringer so you don't miss out on your chance to get a no-sweat same-game parlay on America's number one sportsbook. FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Refund issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. Max refund $5 unless otherwise specified. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. All right, we are back on the Ringer's Philly special. What way will the rest of the podcast go? We shall see. All right. Other stuff we liked from the offense. Big days for Dallas Goddard and A.J. Brown. Uh, Dallas Goddard, the, I think you called it a hitch and go. Uh, some people could call it a curl and go. Is there a difference between these two? Sean, his 49-yarder?
1: Um, yeah, I think curl, curl, hitch, really the same thing. Some people use different okay. words for, for different depths on that one but i i mean i love that play and i can tell i think in the notes you really love that play too and there uh-huh. there's so many reasons to love that one the defense on that play they're playing half quarter quarter cover eight it's quarters the quarter side is to dallas goddard and Devontae smith They're two receiver side and in match coverages the safety and linebackers the way that their coverage expresses can change based on what happens with the receivers So one way to match routes in quarters is the safety is going to read that number two receiver really until that receiver either stops short or breaks out. And at that point, that safety can maybe zone off their quarter, look to the quarterback, or try and help on the number one receiver. But when Goddard makes that initial stop and he gets kind of bumped a little bit because of how timing works, because of how the defense works, it's the outside linebacker's responsibility for the rest of the down. So at that point, the linebacker has to chase it. And that's something that the Eagles are more than happy to have. And it feels like a play that they worked on specifically to break the defense's rules. They waited a bit on it. And also, I think before the snap, even it looked like Hertz was checking to it. So I I love just watching, you know, when Hertz checks to double moves and he's clearly going for the throw on those plays.
0: Yeah, that that was great. So it's just, uh, you know, it's exactly what it sounds like. Dallas Goddard goes out, runs a curl. And and like Sean said, it's an edge defender covering him in that specific coverage for the Rams. So the guy's like, okay, cool. I'm in my, you know, whatever it was, uh, six, seven yards off the line of scrimmage. Uh, I've got him. And then he turns around and he runs. Then he runs a go route after that. And he's wide open. And like you said, yeah, it really did look like Jalen Hurts at the line of scrimmage was checking to that uh, before the play and it ends up in a 49-yard completion. I swear I haven't seen these these, uh, curl and goes like in my life before. Did this just get invented this season? Like when I was playing the backyard football, the go-to route, Sean. Was the out and up you know what I'm saying you go a little out (laughs) pump fake bam get him get him late so I I've always loved a double move from my days as a seven-year-old but this seems like a new variation of a double move or is this just something I've never noticed before is it at least more in vogue now than it's been in the past I swear I see it all over the place now
1: I do think it we could call it a little more in vogue your fancy term there just because again as more defenses are running these sort of match coverages you have to be able to find ways to manipulate their rules. The defense, it's not that the rules are secret. Most teams, they you can get a player or a player off that scheme or more likely a coach off of that tree like our beloved Vic Fangio tree where you understand what the rules are. So when the Bills play the Dolphins, obviously the Eagles have the Dolphins in 2 weeks. Not that we're looking past the Jets in any sort of way. They're going to have more chances to be able to you know what their rules are. You have to try and manipulate them. And those double moves in that specific way where The defense is going to play these routes out for the rest of the down with an outside linebacker, really no matter what happens, just because of you have to be able to cover all the players. Then when you get into that specific type of double move or really anything where you can have that slot receiver running and out and up, I think the Chargers did it against the Dolphins in week one as well. Look, you got to try and break the defense's rule somehow.
0: Yeah, I, I love it. I love I love all double. I was gonna say I would build my entire offense out of double moves, but I guess you you need to just do the first move so that they squat on the first move, and then you hit them with the double move. But I don't know. I feel like if I just I could run ten plays, five regular, five double moves, and you know we'd be putting up Miami Dolphins type offensive numbers.
1: She, you know, I I really do think you're great at your job, <laughs> uh, your offensive coordinator prowess, Maybe we'll need to discuss it. Something <laughs> random that's funny is players will they'll run like kind of fake double moves where it's like. Hitch and go and hitch. So it's like that is mm. so fun to see. Devonte Smith looks so so good when he runs it, and that's another thing where, as a cornerback, like, what are you supposed to do at that point when it's that smooth at that speed? So you know, you want to run double moves all the time. Run run your fake double moves while you're at it.
0: See when they do the fake double moves in like the one on one cornerback wide receiver drills in training camp, I'm like, get that guy out of here. He's not doing that in a game. Let's let's get some quality reps here. You don't know? steal some of your coach speed. Come on. We're trying to get good work in here. Don't be just making up routes that you're not going to run in a game. But anyway, all right. That is Dallas Goddard and A.J. Brown. Last thing we liked on the offense here, Sean, offensive line play. I mean, you mentioned it. We both mentioned it earlier. Just I wanted to zero in and like, what did you see in terms of their plan for Aaron Donald? Now, Aaron Donald did not have any pass rush production in this game. I thought watching the film, okay, this guy is still wrecking a lot of run plays and still winning a lot of reps. Like It was not a complete shutdown of Aaron Donald by any means, but obviously they had a good plan for him, at least in terms of pass protection. What did you notice? Just kind of some of the things they did to account for him.
1: Yeah, I thought first and foremost, Sua Apeta played really well. There definitely were things to clean up between how he maybe handled double teams a little bit and pass protection, but he outperformed, I think, what pretty much any team in the league would expect from a backup guard. And the plan seemed to me, in a smart way, let's slide our center, Jason Kelsey, who is awesome, to Donald when they're in a four-down look. And so naturally, the Rams' response to that is, like you said, we need to get Aaron Donald in a one-on-one one one, one way or another, so let's get into our five-down front with stunts. An honorary offensive lineman of the week, Kenny Gainwell actually did, I just saw an awesome job in pass protection. There are a bunch of clips where... He's like taking on Aaron Donald at full speed. And it makes sense, I guess, because Aaron Donald is superhuman. He's like barely impacted by it, by Gainwell (laughs) putting all of his force into it. But it, it delayed Donald enough to make a play. And then there was a really fun play where lane johnson pretty much chases aaron donald on his stunt like all the way i've never seen that before i've never seen that in my life it was you haven't seen it before okay cool cool.
0: that makes me that makes it even more interesting yeah that was wild yeah explain so he's yeah i don't explain what you remember from that play
1: yeah it feels like kind of a freestyle but basically so aaron donald is lined up uh over lane johnson at right tackle and he's looping to the other side which is i think a smart thing on the offensive end I, we talk about those 5-0 looks every week get the offense demand man protection and i really wonder if it was a predetermined thing but lane johnson pretty much at that point says look i can push aaron donald just over the left tackle like i can push him all the way across his stunt to prevent him from coming inside and he does that which is like wildly athletic and again i've literally i've never seen that i'm not sure if we'll ever see that again and i would love i would love to find out if that was an accident or not but very clearly a team that was dedicated to understanding we need to be able to stop Aaron Donald and you know we might not might not see that in different ways but it was a really really good time for them to have Aaron Donald as they build up their schedule now we're going to get Quinn and Williams next week we're going to get Chris Jones down the line all those fun guys for the 49ers and the Cowboys as well and oh, okay one one thing we're going to talk about real quick I think on the broadcast they cut to Jason Kelsey is a little bit frustrated. He's talking to Jeff Stoutland and he's like showing him kind of a technique or how to like how he wants to get hands on a player. And Jason Kelsey, like kind of full speed, like strikes Jeff Stalin in the chest mm-hmm. and Stalin is just not phased at all. Doesn't and flinch. I, I, yeah. I was thinking about it. If Jason Kelsey did that to me, like <laughs> I'm, I'm like flying through the stadium, like it is, it is lights out. So Jeff Stalin, a, a very stout man, that, that that was a fun one to see.
0: Yeah, I was thinking the same thing. It was, and, and you're, and you're like, okay, this this happens like three times a week. This is not the first time they, you know, they demon demonstrate. It's always like, yeah, whenever there's somebody who wants to demonstrate something, you know, if you're in it with something that will get a little physical, I'm like, I'll go ahead and let someone else, you know, do that. I don't need to be getting some type of accidental bruise here. Or uh, even when a friend will be like, no, it was like this, and they're trying to say, like, hey easy. Okay. Yeah. I don't need to be uh, the example here. So yeah, I noticed that as well. Yeah. The Lane Johnson thing was nuts. I mean, most of the time, you know, like Sean said, you're, you're trying to pass that off. It's a, it's a stun. It's okay. You pass it off to the other offensive lineman. He blocks Aaron Donald you're blocking. And it was like, no, for, and for a tackle, it's like, like, no, I will just go with like Aaron Donald could have run to the sideline. And I think Lane Jetson would have just followed him. He could have dropped back in coverage. He might have followed him and got an ineligible man downfield. Uh, it was hilarious to watch. Good job by the broadcast. They showed that one live. So if anyone's wondering, wait, is this the play that they showed during the game? Yeah, they showed a replay uh, of that one during the game. All right. So good stuff from the offense there. All right, Let's get to some of the complaints people have with the offense. So now we're going to what we didn't like about the offensive performance. Two for six in the red zone, Sean. This has been a big topic of conversation among Eagles fans this week. uh, They score a touchdown on the first one, then they go field goal, then they go touchdown, then they go interception, then they go field goal, field goal. So, uh, three field goals, two touchdowns, one interception. Um, Why don't you give a broad overview of kind of, you know, what what you thought uh, happened, if there were any themes or what what you thought about kind of the red zone and the red zone game plan. And then we can hit some of these uh, one by one just to see if, uh, you know, any specific plays um, we want to point out.
1: Yeah, I think the red zone, it's something that it's certainly been frustrating for Eagles fans. I went back and just watched all 19 trips. They rank lower oh, in beast, terms of scoring man. Look at that!
0: <laughs> just uh, you know, I just say we're going to talk about the red zone. The man goes back and watches all nineteen. I mean, what, what more could you ask for, for from a podcast?
1: <laughs> Shield, I said, I said I would do the work. You know, even if we record <laughs> early. But well, let's take another another step back from that. We'll talk about this this one this game specifically. But right, the red zone. Talking about when the offense is inside the opponent's twenty-yard line. Now it's different because space is compressed, where defenses don't have to respect. Those deep vertical routes, because again, you have 20 yards plus 10 yards, that's 30 yards in the end zone. So you can't run AJ Brown on your 40 yard post or Devontae Smith going down the whole entire field. And the coverage can feel tighter just because of the spacing. And then play callers sometimes get a little bit more conservative where they don't want to lose the chance at least kicking a field goal, right? Those are free points that, free points when you have the Eagles kicker at least, but free points that you don't want to lose that situation. So again, they're eight of 19, I think, if I have it correct from what I watched. And it puts them pretty far back in the rankings. But they've also had situations like in this game where they're just kind of icing the game away. They are they can play more conservatively. They have the privilege to do that because a field goal puts the game out of reach. And, you know, it's a challenge because you can't run your same regular offense. So when I was watching everything, it didn't seem like there was just a full theme. If I could take one theme away, it seems like the Eagles really want to Run the ball and get into those push sneak situations, which I think that is a fantastic idea. I have no problem with that, and when things don't work out, you know, I still am fine with a lot of the concepts. They got into a little zone read, even if it's not effective earlier on. They had a fun orbit motion look. I think it was in week one. they had that A j Brown slant against the bucks that you know that's that's close, and so overall, I don't think the red zone offense is a disaster. I do think that just by the law of averages, they're probably going to get closer to the mean also you know i i just want them to steal things from other teams i, I think that the eagles should 100 steal the counter rpo play that the colts run where a defense just cannot account for the way that they motion the quarterback run and the fast motion into the flat there are plays from the vikings last year where a player is jetting to the flat to get leverage advantages or you have crossers creating traffic, and, and the quarterback can just throw away from where the safety goes. And then the Chiefs last year, an incredible example of, wow, this team is is doing special stuff in the red zone. So you don't have to necessarily include specific motions because you don't want to just detract away from your whole entire offense. But I do like, I think they've gotten a little bit more diverse in the RPO game. We saw how they got a little bit more diverse in the quarterback run game. I do think that they can use DeAndre Swift, where this is a unique area of the field because it's obviously more horizontal than it is vertical at this point, 53 and a third. Uh, horizontal for those of you counting plus however far your receivers hands go of course so i want to i want to ask how is the team are they making life easier for their receivers are they getting them on running starts into the flat so the red zone overall it's going to be something that thankfully has not cost the eagles a game yet but it's going to be something that they're absolutely absolutely going to want to clean up but probably i think hopefully coming out of that bye week maybe they spend a little extra time during that for some fun designs
0: yeah, the, the numbers, they are uh, 27th in red zone efficiency, scoring 42.1% of the time. Last year, they were third, 68% of the time. Now, when we went into this season and I was pointing out or, or listeners were asking, hey, what are some areas where they're going to regress because last year was so, so good? At the top of the list was red zone. I mean, I think it was their best red zone offense uh, since at least 2000, which is as far back as true media's database goes. So like going into the season to expect them to just have that same type of red zone efficiency, that was kind of far fetched. Like they were probably going to come down to the pack, uh, a little bit. Now they've come back a lot, so you don't want them to be 27th. But, uh, to your point, uh, I kind of feel the same way. And, and we can talk about the place in this game. Like I don't see it as, Oh my gosh, it's broken i feel like they've had some um near misses like you mentioned i mean it's such a small sample 19 trips uh, you know if three of those go differently we're probably having a, a different conversation here um, and so I think as they get a, a larger sample I think it's going to correct itself I think your um, thing is fantastic which I'm sure they're doing someone's in charge I remember back in the you know Super Bowl teams it was press Taylor actually now the offensive coordinator uh of the Jaguars so it was like hey go watch you know film of what other teams are doing in the red zone bring us good stuff that we can use and install quickly uh and we'll go ahead and use that and that's not uncommon um in the NFL, so you just have to figure out what works, what doesn't work. Um, all right, so let's let's get to some of these examples because I know from this game, like I said, it was two for six. So uh, the first possession in the red zone, they had a touchdown. Hertz had the ten yard run on the bash scheme, which we mentioned, and then he had the nice tight window throw to Goddard, which we mentioned. And and so like yeah, part of it is just the quarter. I do think quarterbacks have to be comfortable throwing into tight windows and kind of seeing it, trusting it, letting it rip. But that's easy for me to say, because then when they throw an interception, I'm in here saying you can't turn the ball over there. So it is hard. I'm not saying it's not hard, but that, that definitely is something that is a running theme. So that was the first one they score. Second one, they have a third and two RPO, and they have a great look to throw the screen to Quez Watkins. And Quez Watkins does not execute the screen well. Nick Sirianni was caught on camera dropping uh, some colorful language about Quez Watkins' decision uh, on that play. Devontae Smith was not happy with where Quez Watkins went on that play because they had it blocked up with the two wide receivers. That's third and two. That has very little to do with scheme. Like you had a good call. He executed it except for the one guy with the ball, and now he took a loss, so you're not even going for it. I mean, you could, you definitely could have gone for it there. I think they should have gone for it, but they ended up uh, kicking the field goal. Now, I guess it is fair to question from a coaching standpoint, do you want Quez Watkins being the guy in that situation with the ball, or should you run that screen to light? AJ Brown or Devonte Smith or some, or even DeAndre Swift, we talked about. They threw another like perimeter screen to him in this game. I think he's pretty good at that. Maybe that's an option they look at uh, in the future, but uh, I don't even know if you zeroed in on that play or if you remember what play I'm uh, talking about there. You do. Okay. So, I mean, did I describe it correctly? Is there anything else uh, you have to add to add on that one?
1: Yeah. Just thinking a little bit about the coaching points on the defensive end, they're pretty much trying to vice the receiver. So they want to like kind of maintain outside leverage and inside leverage uh, on the two blockers right if you just devote everyone to go one way then the receiver has an easier time but they're trying to compress that space and there's on the receiving end you want to try and be able to get through that again i'm glad you said easier said than done because really every single thing that i say on this or ever will say this it's so much easier said than done but if you're a receiver and you just try and bounce that outside it makes life so much harder on your blocker because the defender can just get off that block easily so like you said maybe you want deandre swift in that spot maybe that becomes a tell for the offense or maybe they just got a touch too cute where they don't want to just throw to aj brown every single time i would actually love to see dallas goddard on that especially in a mm. game where he i True, feel like I, two yards I, yeah. yeah yeah i didn't appreciate it as much before but he is such such a physical runner and he is usually going to be able to run through arm tackles and i mean two yards Let's get like six inches and then and then just run the push sneak again so that was a play that i I understand why a a lot of people were frustrated on that i think you know quez probably got a lot of heat uh throughout the game i will say just real quick quiz quiz Watkins events in the second half he had some really awesome run blocks so 100 (laughs)
0: percent. i wrote (laughs) this down too that was the bet that was the most he's taken i've never seen him i don't know if they lit him up at halftime or what But he was, he had, I think it was two consecutive plays or two plays on the same series where he was crushing guys in the run game. I swear, I've probably watched every snap Quez Watkins has played and I've never seen anything like that. So that's good to point out because he was having a bad game. He's getting crushed. uh, And, you know, it's, uh, I will say only, you know, run blocking that, you know, it it matters. But uh, I mean, that's good to see that player have that level of effort, like a higher level of effort doing that than I think I've ever seen him. So I think you're right to point that out.
1: Yeah, I do think that... I lo- I love watching the TV broadcast for the Eagles games Lives You always see something fun on the sidelines, right? There's just people like what we would commonly think as yelling at each other. Like maybe if Super Producer Cliff was saying that to like talking like that to me, I'd you know, maybe feel some type of way though. Cliff, you can be hard on me, I appreciate <laughs> you. Uh, but like it's such a competitive environment and it's, it's like so not like a statistical or a schematic, but it seems like they really can hold each other accountable I think that's a product of of a really really good culture a really really good environment and to be a high functioning team I think you really need to be able to do that where yeah it would have been a bummer if Quez Watkins is just dogging it on like these last kind of game closing run plays but no he is he is getting his nose dirty and he is attacking that where you know I think you do see and I mean frankly if I was a player who I was in that situation I'm probably not blocking that hard so that that was good to see from a player who maybe didn't have his best game in other spots.
0: No doubt. The one thing I wanted to revisit there. So you said the defense wants to vice that, uh, you know, that's the term for their, uh, What's what's the word I'm looking for? Their uh, their their kind of strategy there. So you're trying to close. So basically, you have Devontae Smith trying to block the defender like towards the sideline. You have AJ Brown trying to block the other defender towards the field, and Quez Watkins is trying to get in between there. So you're you're saying like the uh, the leverage of both those defenders. They're trying to make that space in between those two guys as skinny uh, or as small or as non-existent as possible. Is is that what the term vice means?
1: yeah absolutely you're trying to maintain outside leverage and inside leverage compress that space as much as possible you'll see sometimes where if the cornerback gets really kind of happy and they kind of shoot inside then that receiver can just stroll on to the outside for a few free yards and then you don't get yelled at uh by nick sirianni and his (laughs) uh his and his awesome visor Which real quick i know we've i feel like we've dipped far into the shenanigans I generally am kind of anti visor for coaches, but I think I, I do think Sirianni looks good in it, and I think he makes it work.
0: I think he's he's fine. Yeah, I'm anti visor. I don't, you know. Now, now during my high school tennis days, there there was a time where I did have a nice Nike visor. Uh, that I, but that was when I had the you know that was when it was cool to have like if you had like a lot of hair and it came out of the visor. You know, you're young, you're a teenager, you're trying out different looks, seeing what works. Now you don't see anyone in, like, everyday life wear a visor, right? I mean, uh, other than a football coach, have you seen, when's the last time you saw someone wear a visor, other than a Uh, football coach?
1: Yeah, I think, like, when the Falcons in, like, 2004, when Mike Vick was on the cover of Mad, and you get the little, like, I think he wore a visor on the sideline. Yeah, that that one was pretty cool, but, yeah, I mean, I think there's a lot of things in football that are, like, only socially acceptable on the Mm. football field in that sort of culture, and, you know, of course, no shot at people that that wear visors at all in any sort of way <laughs> <laughs> only John, respect need more need more bucket shall- ha- bucket hats on the sideline but we'll,
0: we'll uh, let that go for it. i need a bucket hat the back of the neck in the summer kills me i've been saying for four or five years i need to get a, especially when i'm going to cover these trading camps <laughs> so you don't know nothing the back stopping of the neck i'm getting one <laughs> i know that's true and normally i like to just pull the trigger on random online purchases when i'm home alone at night maybe that'll be <laughs> the next one bucket hat all right it's one of life's, life's great pleasures there, son. All right. Next one, they score a touchdown. Uh, it was just a one-on-one. That, that was the, um, the, the possession before halftime. The A.J. Brown takes over the game possession where they score a touchdown in 35 seconds. He has the long catch. They get the horse collar. Uh, and then they go one-on-one to A.J. Brown in the left corner of the end zone. He gets the DPI. All of a sudden, uh, they're at the one-yard line. Brotherly shove for the TD. So that's instructive because the next red zone possession is an interception. And this is only one play in the red zone. It looked to me like Hertz is thinking, hey, I'm going to throw a back shoulder to A.J. Brown on the right side here. It didn't look like A.J. Brown thought, hey, he's going to throw me a back shoulder here. He kind of continues with his route. Uh, Nice play by Witherspoon, the cornerback, and it's an interception. What did you think of that uh, interception for Hertz in the red zone? And is it comparable to, like I said, the previous play where A.J. Brown draws the defensive pass interference?
1: I think for the quarterback's end, right, you have certain indicators that this is a back shoulder throw. Now, a lot of it is, can be predetermined just based on how many times you've repped it out. But basically, if the defender is more upfield, right, they're ahead of the receiver, you're seeing the back of the, the defender's helmet, you're comfortable with your receiver, and a lot of times, quarterbacks, they will kind of gun that ball in to get them to turn back over their back shoulder. Hurts had all the indicators. If he's, like, slow it down, you see one before he makes his decision all the indicators are there i don't know i think hurts has like a superpower where he just throws like a super catchable ball where we had that insane interception from the, bu- the bucks and then from uh the rams now i mean you know do we blame jalen hurts for throwing a really catchable ball no not exactly <laughs> i do think it, it's probably just a you know simple disagreement on hey I, like i wanted you here you ended up here and whoever's fault it is it's I think it's not something that I would be overly concerned about because he is taking an aggressive shot to A.J. Brown. I think A.J. Brown probably, maybe from that first pass interference, thought, you know, I'm, I can just beat him up the field because he he's going to want to do this. And the way that some teams across the league have been playing those routes where quarterbacks love to throw that back shoulder fade. We saw the Browns play just awesome against the Bengals in week one where Joe Burrow is an absolute back shoulder thrower where now DBs are doing, I think, a better job of kind of having turning their head around early, playing underneath that route. So, I mean, you hate to have that on a sheet, but I, th- I thought it was just a really, really good play on the defensive end.
0: Okay. Uh, next one, uh, their fifth posi- possession in the red zone, uh, they kick a field goal here. So here was the sequence. Uh, inside zone to Kenny Gainwell for three. Uh, next play, Hertz doesn't like what he sees from the pocket. He leaves the pocket and throws it away. Uh, nothing there initially. Uh, then they take a shot to Devonte Smith, incomplete. This was a second reaction play where Hertz kind of rolled out to his right, and Quez Watkins is basically doing jumping jacks in the end zone. Uh, but it's hard, you know, you can't always see that guy. And so Hertz throws it to Devontae Smith, incomplete. I mean, I don't know. Is there, like, was there anything there where you're like, why are they doing this? What is going on here? Or is that just like, all right, that was a bad sequence, but it was one possession?
1: Yeah, it feels like it, it piles on and kind of avalanches when you have too many of these possessions but I don't think there's anything specific to take away from that I do think I'm not sure if it was on this drive or another drive but I, I like keep clamoring about the play where they like run inside zone and then Goddard's in the flat and Smith is kind of running something you know you can have different things where you run Smith in motion on that to create some sort of friction for the defense and I do think uh, it was quite right jumping in the end zone and I was like oh man on the TV that looks so bad it I mean it's still not awesome I do think the ball that hurts through to Smith there was actually like pretty sweet it was it was pretty close to being caught I think when he pulls up to make that throw by that time Watkins isn't as fully open so it's you know a situation where I feel like a, a bunch this year where the second reaction play towards the end zone aren't as successful for this reason or that reason but I don't know, Sheila. I, it it just feels like a bummer on on that drive. But luckily, yeah. again, does doesn't end I up agree. being anything to
0: to cost them the game. And then the last one, uh, their sixth possession. This one you almost throw out the window. It, 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 you know, it, at least I. I mean, I'm curious to hear what you think. But this is they're up 2014, and they're trying to make it a two possession game. So they're getting pretty conservative because you're already within field goal range. So they go QB draw with Jalen Hurts. Uh, Inside zone to Kenny Gainwell. I actually thought he had a chance for, you know, to to really have a big gain on that one. He tripped, I think, on Kelsey's foot. Kelsey got pushed back uh, a little bit. Then they go QB draw again on third down again because they don't want to stop the clock. It's late in the fourth quarter, and you're about to go up nine points. So. I don't kill them for the process there. Like, I mean, could you have thrown it? Yes. I don't really know. I think if you were going to throw it, it would have been like, Hey, if it's there and you're sure, go ahead and throw it. Otherwise take off and scramble. Um, Let's not turn the ball over here. Right. That's probably the process for the offense at that stage in the game.
1: I think so. I'm, I'm more than comfortable being conservative in that situation, particularly because the Eagles are just not a conservative team at all. So they were really, really able to bleed that clock. And, you know, at that point, really, our, our notes for the game almost don't matter after that because it's pretty much over. 23-14 with, yeah. with that much time left. So, again, it's just like, oh, like, like, really a little bit frustrated. But that was a situation where I wouldn't really fault them for getting into a situation where it, it just helps you win the game.
0: Yeah. So for the four times, they did not score a touchdown. In the red zone one you had a good call and quez watkins doesn't execute it well not to just like single out one guy but i mean this coach did it so we're allowed to do it uh he doesn't execute it well that's not something you go back and are like let's totally rip this up and change it it's like no that that was fine we just have to uh hit it better and i usually Sean, I hate when you like coaches, you like the coach speak. I generally find coaches to be very annoying, uh, specifically at the NFL level. I think Bill Parcell said they're not well-adjusted people, which I could vouch for for from most of my interactions with them. I understand why they are the way they are. but uh, So normally when when coaches blame execution, I almost always rip them because I go, the first line in your job description is to get your players to execute. This might have been one where I say, all right, that might not be on the coach. So, all right, getting back to it. Four failures. You had the Quez Watkins play. uh, That's one. You had the interception where it's some type of, you know, A.J. Brown and Jalen Hurts don't see it the same way. Ideal? No. But is that something like the red zone offense is broken? I would say no. You take one-on-ones to A.J. Brown, that's like, you know, 40% 40% of their offenses take it, it one-on-ones to A.J. Brown. So I think that's fine. So that's two. Uh, three, that was a bad possession. No doubt about it. The the one we went over there where Quez Watkins was jumping up and down in the end zone. And then four is not a real, like, obviously you're trying to score, but you're trying to score without throwing the football. So. I don't know, when you lay it out that way, and I, listeners know, like I would. I am not someone to make excuses for the team. I love ripping the team. Sean's going to be the nice counterbalance of explaining to me, Sheila, no, 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 this is like, it's not that bad. This is what actually happened. And I'm going to be like, what are they, you know, that's how I generally operate. But I think in this situation, Sean is right. Maybe Sean's having an influence on me. Eh, just be a little kinder and gentler. Don't just look in the box score, two for six in the red zone. This offense sucks. Break it down like we just did. And it's not so bad. What do you think?
1: chill I mean positivity It it is it is good it's good to have that <laughs> in your life in general obviously we want positive yards on offense I will say like on the overall like it's it's not that I have a, this deep deep concern for the red zone offense I think there's other parts of the team or maybe it's the secondary or something where you could probably make a bigger deal about that overall but it it does feel like oh it lacks maybe a little a touch of creativity where I do think that they're going to be able to expand it as the season goes on, especially it it seems like maybe they're more comfortable running Hertz on different concepts. And I I do think it's going to even out. I I said the law of averages before, but also, I mean, football, it's, it's such a weird, small sample size sport where, like you said, you know, 19 situations where there's whatever, three or four, where they're just trying to burn the clock or they're really just trying to end the game in different ways. So maybe those numbers aren't, totally showing what's happening but again i hear the concerns i i will list it on my list of of concerns but on the whole one of the the better things is that the eagles don't have a ton of those where that's something that they can spend their time focusing on
0: yeah i think that's fair a little more creativity uh some more bells and whistles like the things um you explained there we'll see if they add some of that in and if that percentage goes up here uh in the weeks ahead all right let's move on to the defense here. Okay. Eagles uh, give up 249 yards and 17 first downs. Um, This was the Rams' worst offensive game of the season. If you just want to look at it, hey, uh, from the opponent, you know, how do they normally perform? So that's good on the Eagles' end of it. Um, You know, they still uh, definitely move the football with the possessions that they had here. I think the big question, and we'll get to that right now, is in, in terms of what we liked about the defense is, The second half adjustments. I think this was a big question uh, with people watching the game live after the game, um, you know, tweeting at us. What did the Eagles do differently that allowed them to uh, hold the Rams scoreless in the second half of that game? So I think there were a few different things here. One is let's give Sean Desai some credit while also making it clear, which we will in a minute here, that this wasn't like, John Desai just did X, Y, and Z, and that totally shut down and bottled up the Rams. I don't think either of us saw that on film. I don't think that's what happened, but he did do some nice things, Sean. Uh, And a couple of things that uh, I pointed out in our shared Google Doc here, Um, you know, there was a third quarter, third down, aggressive call, I think goes zero blitz. Bradley Roby's in the game at this point. He's asked to man up Cooper Cup. Uh, one-on-one, which it's like, you just signed this guy off the street. He was not in the league. And now here he is manning up Cooper Cup uh, one-on-one on on third down in his first action. Now, Josh Sweat won fast there, quarterback hit, and they get an intentional grounding. So uh, I did think there was a little bit of, I don't know if gambling is the right word. Uh, Sean Desai was not playing this conservative in the second half in some of these high leverage moments.
1: Yeah, Sean Desai, he won the Battle of the Sean's, even though Sean Desai and Sean McVay both spell their name differently than I do. And I would agree overall, like when I was watching it on TV, I was sending out my Sean Desai masterclass, Let's get this guy a head coaching job tomorrow tweets <laughs> or uh, text. You know, I don't I don't I try to tweet too much. Just just uh just good clips and stuff, but I still think he deserves a head coaching job, side side thing. But on the first drive of the game, the Eagles, they were heavy in man. They bought pressure, and I think they generally played outside leverage to receivers. They actually got the Rams into a few of those third down situations, a fourth down. But you know, Stafford was really on a heater early on. I think while Mario Goodrich was in the slot on the second and third drive, there was a little bit more of sly following Cooper Cup. But I mean, Cooper Cup is <laughs> is an All Pro, and eventually they scored that touchdown to Puka Nakua, where. Bradbury is now away from his natural side in a true isolation isolation situation to just a really, really great throw where the coverage isn't awful by any means. What I did like from Desai was eventually they say, okay, we're going to put Bradley Roby out there. Maybe he can not play every snap. We just got him off of free agency this week, but we're still going to change the picture for the offense constantly. We know that the Rams want to make throws based on timing, so if the defense can disrupt that, it is such a positive to have. They threw out a bunch of different looks, specifically against how the offense was playing from empty. They used multiple checks to bunch, and they just didn't allow the offense to really comfortably sit there. And it's it's fun from a charting perspective because it is more unpredictable, right? You're not just going to the clip and saying, okay, it's third and six. The offense is in two by two. This is what the coverage is going to be. We don't see that from the Eagles and it's really cool because sometimes I think one of the maybe fair critiques off of some of the people from the Fangio tree is that they're sticking to the bones of the system so so firmly that offenses understand how to manipulate that and you know Sean McVay he did I think a decent job getting to some plays and one of the reasons why my initial note I think was you know not necessarily just a Sean Desai masterclass is there were a lot of receivers open that, of course you get the benefit of having that pass rush so to me the the tip of the cap always goes to sean Design, not just because his name is sean but those players on the defensive line it makes your life so much easier on the back end it increases your margin for error where look I, I wrote like six plays where i'm like receiver open receiver open receiver open incomplete 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 so that you know that's something that i think can show up later in the season for sure but happy to get, get out there where the defensive line is just making Matt Stafford's life hard.
0: Yeah. Let's follow up on, on some of that stuff. The one, um, you mentioned there Rams did use a lot of empty, uh, in this game. and, And there was one play in the third quarter Eagles rush five on the play and Josh sweat is unblocked and he forces an early throw by Matthew Stafford where they got Cooper Cup on Reed Blankenship, who I thought Reed Blankenship was very good, once again, in this game. Any safety in the NFL, one-on-one against Cooper Cup. Really, you know, most cornerbacks in the NFL, one-on-one against Cooper Cup. That's going to be tough. Uh, I mean, Cup had him. It could have been a big gainer, but because Sweat is unblocked and gets there, uh, Matthew Stafford uh, has to throw early, and they throw incomplete there uh what did you see on that one i know that's one i kind of asked you about and you were saying maybe they slid over to jalen carter a little bit and that helped free josh sweat up yeah jalen
1: carter is uh, we could talk about him all day for as long as however we're going to run this podcast but i think carter really frees up that situation because the rams want to slide their center to carter so not saying that carter's aaron donald yet but the same way (laughs) that the Eagles slid their center to aaron donald the rams want to do that to Jalen Carter. And so that put the left tackle in a situation where he's what's in a situation where it's called a big dual read. So he is looking at two players, the defensive end and the linebacker, where his real responsibility is to take the most dangerous player or MDM, most dangerous man, sometimes people call it. And usually it's the innermost threat because that player has the shortest path to the quarterback. And then at that situation, of course, the quarterback needs to throw hot. So in this situation, the tackle, I think, decides, okay, that linebacker coming at me has the more direct path. And yeah, like, eventually gives the defensive end the free run. And it's not some bust and project- protection. I think we will watch clips where it looks like an offensive tackle is letting a guy go free. Now, sometimes that's on the tackle. Most of the times, it, it eventually kind of falls on the quarterback and they have to know, hey, I need to get the ball out quick. Stafford knows that he does that in this situation and it's just kind of tough right it's hard to throw with the defender's hand in your face and i mean the offense had the perfect perfect call for that set a pick for cooper cup get him into space it's wide open and just watching it, it's almost frustrating even though obviously i'm rooting for the eagles here like oh we got the perfect play call and it's just unfortunate that didn't land in cups hands for the rams not for us
0: yeah it's i mean a few of the things you you mentioned there i mean with Desai, I think probably the biggest feather in his cap so far is that it's not going to be the same. I mean, he is—he really tries a lot of stuff. Every, even just think of how they use their slot corner, their nickels in this game. I mean, it starts out Mario Goodrich, then Eli Ricks is coming in, then Bradley Roby's coming. They're trying all the... He's not afraid to... He doesn't strike me just based on what we've seen so far as someone who's going to be stubborn and say, we're going into the game with x and this is what we're doing like if anything he's the other way like you know the stuff going a little bit wrong he is quick to be like no, no no all right let's do something else we can't uh let this keep going so i think that definitely stands out and then you're rolling the dice in that situation right i mean we, we, we you got blanket chip on cooper cup you got a five-man pressure it's a big spot in the game if sweat doesn't get there if stafford has that extra i mean what do you think half a second there that's a big play. Like you're really rolling the dice that you're going to be able to get to him before he's able uh, to make that play. I like that. I think that's good. I think you can't play too conservative and just say avoid explosive. If you're if you're playing to avoid explosive plays at all costs, that's not a call for you in that situation. If you're willing to take on some risk, well, look what happened. You hit the quarterback, you forced an incompletion um, and, and you have a positive play there for the defense. So uh, yeah, that, that kind of stuff has stuck out with me from Sean Desai so far. And by the way, don't, you know, don't think I you stuck some of those you know, terms by me there. I mean, I, lo- I love the big dual rate, which you know that's, that's great. It's important to know because a lot of times you're watching going, why is the tackle letting that? Why would you just let, leave Josh Sweat unblocked? I'm sure Rams fans are going, how could you do that? Well, you're explaining it. And by the way, I mean, I'm just gonna be using MDM like everywhere in my life now. I might just get a T-shirt, MDM, MDM, most dangerous man. See, Sean's just sneaking those in there. Thought I wouldn't notice. Thought I'm old. Thought it's past my bedtime. It's 9:35 uh, East Coast, which you know it, it is nearing my bedtime, but uh, I'm still alert here, able to pick those things up. All right. I like that stuff. Other stuff we liked, you mentioned the other one. The uh, the only other thing I had on stuff we I liked about the defense and that's the pass rush uh started to cook late. I mean Jalen Carter had a eye-popping sack. Hassan Reddick closed the game pretty much with two sacks. Josh Sweat was excellent in this game. Brandon Graham pretty uh interesting usage where he's lined up over the center on one play just took that man to the ground. I, I I think somebody else ended up getting the quarterback hit, but Brandon Graham just lined up there uh, and, and took him down. So that was nice to see. You were mentioning the five-man pressures, which you know, we just touched on a little bit. Eagles did that quite quite a bit with with five-man uh, pass rushes and Stafford, it worked. Stafford was 5 for 11. For 44 yards against those i think we've talked about this before but that's basically you're 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 getting uh, your best players on the field and you're also kind of manufacturing some one-on-ones right
1: exactly you're forcing the offense into a man-to-man protection where i need to cover the person across from me it's harder to pass off because you're not plus one on the offensive line and then on the defensive end Even when you're sending more than five, sometimes blitzes, it's not just about those blitzers, but opening up one on ones elsewhere is just awesome. I just, I I love, I love seeing these Eagles defenders in one on one situations because it's something you feel comfortable in. It's something you feel confident in and sort of unrelated, but Desai also does a good job of that in the run game. So they will, I've said it a few times, I think, and I think it's important to keep on talking about because the like how you defend the run i think is generally underappreciated partially because it's just kind of like weirdly complicated sometimes uh in like okay this player needs to play this gap but if the run goes to the right he needs to flip and go to a different space but they will get to different fronts by blitzing their linebackers it lets them i think play a little bit more aggressive and then on the adjustments point you know i think when i was i would sometimes think oh like can't wait till they go into halftime to make adjustments if you wait till halftime to make adjustments, like you're in a worse spot than Shiel Kapadia calling double moves on every single play as an offensive coordinator, <laughs> you're going to be out of a job. Like you one <laughs> halftime, it's like 12 minutes long. You have to talk about the time getting into the locker room, out of the locker room, getting people stretched out, people coming from up top, coming down. It's like such a short period. The adjustments are happening drive to drive and really like play to play. And it seemed like decided a good job just making small adjustments to how they were playing against certain things so when the rams were getting into stacks i actually think the eagles did a good job of getting kind of getting away with it but like getting hands-on receivers that were in motion where you can't really press that receiver on the line but if it is such a timing play where you get hands-on maybe a touch after the snap again you know i'm not here to talk about any of the rules i'm just here to watch the games unless calls go against the eagles of course but if you can get your hands on those players it's a different way to just change that up so i mean Sean Desai, you know, okay, I, I walked in thinking, let's just give the credit to the defensive line. The more I talk about it, the more I think about it. Let's at least give him one flower here. Uh, just a good job being so multiple. I like, hope, hopefully we just talk about that all year long. It was cool to see them go from, okay, we're not going to have Slay follow Cup. We're going to have him follow. That's not working. Let's get out of that quickly. So someone who has that, not not amnesia, but exactly as you said, the comfort to Let's get to a long list of answers because it's going to make us more adjustable based on what the offense is doing.
0: There you go. Uh, the stuff we didn't like from the Eagles' defense uh, in this game. I mean, we we kind of already touched on this. I mean, they start out with Mario Goodrich playing the slot. Uh, he just had a tough time against Cooper Cup. They try Eli Ricks in the slot. He had a tough time against Cooper. Really, I mean, all their I mean, James Bradbury gave up the touchdown down the right sideline. Darius Slay gave up a 39 yard. Uh, you mentioned he, he traveled with Cooper Cup to the other side and gave up a 39 yard completion um, on, on that uh, on that flag route down the le- near the left sideline. So all their corners were kind of having a tough time. They were playing a lot of man coverage. Uh, Rams were definitely, I felt like every time Goodrich was in the game, he kind of had a target, uh, on, they were like, all right, we're going to go at him, uh, and test him quite a bit. Uh, Roby came in and some better stuff happened, but to your other point, um, the other thing I didn't like that I wrote here from an Eagles perspective, they got a little lucky Rams left plays on the field. I mean, there's another scenario where we're talking about the Rams scoring what 20? You know, I could at least see it a scenario where they're scoring two more touchdowns um, in this game. And so some of the ones that we had outlined here fourth quarter, 2 2 Atwell running free down the seam past Justin Evans. Not an easy throw, but Matthew Stafford has kind of like made a career on making high degree of difficulty throws. I wouldn't say in his range of like the hardest throw Matthew Stafford has ever made and the easiest throw, you know, if you go like one to 10. I don't know. Where, where would you put that one to at Well, for, for him, I, that might be like a six. I, I don't think it was like a nine for Matthew Stafford. Am I wrong? What do you think?
1: Yeah, I, I think, you know, we could put it in that six to seven range. That play was interesting. Mm-hmm. Like the, the Rams did a really good job of attacking the Eagles leverage in different ways. In that situation, the defender had to kind of release an underneath route. So they're in like, it feels kind of like a fire zone. You know, is, are we expecting the safety to kind of close the middle of the field but yeah th- that play specifically was one where you're like eyes open oh my gosh that's 63 yards that's right in front yeah. of the rams and it was it was more than that where at times uh, i felt like oh this is a blowout and then at times i was like oh my gosh how did the eagles come away with this
0: yeah no no doubt about it there was another one uh in the fourth quarter third and five uh where roby again is manned up against cooper cup uh and just kind of his angle on that corner route is different than what Matthew Stafford is expecting. Uh, I thought the coverage was okay by Roby. Like he didn't get left in the dust at the same time. I think that's probably one that Matthew Stafford typically hits too, right?
1: Yeah, I think so. And that concept, flag bow could talk about it all day. It's a nice good versus all kind of concept where you have one receiver split the sides in half to the flag side first, a receiver jetting out to the flat, coming back in, running away from leverage. That flag route, which they'll run it where it looks kind of like a backwards C going in the sidelines on the opposite end bow. It's a high low concept. Every team uses usually the inside receiver, just a short four yards, turn around, get that linebacker at you, maybe work away from them towards the sideline. And then that in route, which they'll call a basic over the top of it, quarterback can work side to side there. And they ran it, you know, three times that that was the first play where cup just totally beat Slay for that big play. That was the flag bow concept. And okay. I do think, yeah, I think Roby did a good job What I was like talking about getting hands on kind of late because Stafford is really throwing to a spot there. It's, it's not like he can see every single thing that's happening. And I think Stafford and Cut, maybe they wanted to adjust what the angle of departure on that route was. And they ran it again. They ran it at a little bit higher of an angle. And yeah, I think that Stafford can make that throw, has made that throw, and will make that throw. But, you know, the Eagles get away with a little bit of a little bit of grab and nothing, nothing wrong with that at all.
0: Yeah. So I think, you know, just a, you had written down one, two, three, four, you, you had five plays here. You thought that, um, you know, were kind of missed opportunities for the Rams that I, I, what would you say? Like, cause that's always hard when you're watching it, right? You could, you could come up with some plays every game where you say, if the offense did that, I feel like the ones you laid out there. And as I was watching them, I would think that the Rams make those plays more often than they don't. You know what I mean? Like, would you put those at like over 50% uh, each one individually that they hit? Or is that uh, that too high? You know what I mean? Like, put it in the context of when you watch film of an NFL game, there were more missed opportunities in this game for the Rams than maybe one would typically see from an offense. Is that a fair way to frame it?
1: I think so. There was the stack outbreaker to Cooper Cup where Darius Slay gets caught up a little bit. You know, that's a not only a play that Stafford can hit, that you know quarterbacks across the league can hit. Where it just ends up in a one unfortunate situation where the ball ends up out of bounds. There's the play where it hits off Puka Nakua's hands, third and seven. He's open. It's a ball yeah. in a decent spot. There's that free runner play that we talk about. There's a tough throw into space that we talk about. That should be sixty three yards. There's cup and Stafford disagreeing on the angle. Even if they hit half of those, which I think again yeah. i mean i've seen i've seen them do it like it's it's not like this is something crazy to ask for the rams but you know maybe we can give a little little bit of a pat on the back for the eagles that pass rush it it affects you in so many different ways as a quarterback even if they're not getting home every single play just being just a touch extra conscious or hey if i'm playing against the eagles my internal clock is going so fast it's going faster than i'm talking it's going faster than 1.5 speed which, as you know, is the speed that I talk at and, I mean, the low end of what I'd listen to a podcast <laughs> at. But, yeah, I mean, those are plays that the Rams are, are happy to run and happy to use, and, like, flag bow is a con- That's actually the concept that, I think I said it, but Stafford threw the no look in the Super Bowl on that play to an in route to Cooper Cup. So they're going to keep running it, and I'm sure the Rams hope for a different result on those.
0: Listen, there, there's no podcast that would like to just com- come on here and be like, Sean Desai absolutely cooked. Sean McVay here, but I think it was three things. I think Sean decided did a good job of being creative, trying different things, and eventually figuring some things out in high leverage situations. One, I think the pass rush, got going. When those guys are winning up front, it makes everything else easier. If they don't win as much and Stafford has more time, he's probably hitting some of those throws too. And then three Rams just left some plays on the field, whether they were drops, whether they were bad throws by Stafford, whether uh, they were Stafford and guys not being on the same page. So I think you add those three things up. That's what really led to um, the second half where the Eagles don't allow the Rams to score any points. All right. Let's finish with this. Man, I kept you low. My nonsense. I'm looking at the clock now. Do you have somewhere to be? Like, you can leave at any point and be like, yeah, I got to go. Like, I didn't sign up for a marathon podcast like this. How are you doing?
1: Actually, so, you know, you I'm okay? doing well. It's it's the the shield shenanigans, the shield Nanigans, you know, Sean <laughs> you know, whatever you want to call it there. My, I, I didn't get to say it before, but like my like prescription for the red zone offense is more shenanigans for the podcast. You know, I don't know. On, on the podcast I do, we talk about let's keep a tight intro let's get things moving but <laughs> shield you've been doing this so long you're 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 the professional here I'm really just watching film of you you know we we tried different things on in our intro this week on our podcast and I'm sending my buddy hey you know shield the way he says the word welcome <laughs> it's just there's just something special about it and like the way that you extend the words in your transitions you know I'm watching tape on you too shield.
0: Listen, it's a fine line between annoying the audience with the nonsense and keeping the audience uh, entertained with the nonsense. I cross it sometimes. What do you want from me? All right. Eagles Jets, week six at MetLife Stadium. Eagles offense versus the Jets defense. Let's start with that. Jets are 13th in EPA per drive on defense, eighth in success rate, and 15th in DVOA. Maybe not quite as good as one might have. I had them as a top five defense coming into the season. I would say they haven't quite performed at that level. I still think they're really good. They've played Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, uh, a Cowboys team that was playing well offensively at the time. So they, they faced some legit offenses uh, so far. Just schematically, uh, they're playing man according to the charting services. And I know you're going to cl- you want you to clarify this uh, in a minute. am playing man 29.7% percent of the time which is the seventh highest rate their most popular coverages are quarter quarters uh cover one and cover three and then from an injury perspective their second corner uh very good player dj reed used to be on the seahawks uh jets signed him in free agency played well last year he was out last week so we're recording this on tuesday night we don't have an injury report so that's just one to keep in mind uh and then their pass rush quinn and williams Dominant defensive tackle. They've got a bunch of guys uh, with that defensive line rotation. John Franklin Myers, Bryce Huff is playing really well. Jermaine Johnson was a first round pick. They've got those guys. Linebackers will hit. Uh, man, CJ uh, CJ Mosley and Quincy Williams is like I, I think one of the hardest hitting linebackers uh, in the NFL. He will lay people out in the middle of the field. So uh, that's kind of where they are from a personnel standpoint. They don't blitz a lot. I think they're 29th in blitz frequency the too-long-didn't-read version would be very good offensive line, shut down corner, Sauce Gardner. You you can tell us the rest, Sean, right?
1: (laughs) Yeah, I I mean, (laughs) I just think, look, the Jets, they're a really, really talented defense, strong players at every level. Their defensive line, their defensive line is good enough to win a game. So I love this for the Eagles. Another test for Sua Apeta where he is likely going to see a whole lot of Quinn and Williams. Of course, after seeing Aaron Donald and the Eagles have different ways to function in that space so I like that as you said they're not going to blitz a ton because they can get home with four and relatively simple on the back end in terms of I mean no never disrespect to the charting services I when I look at coverages a lot of times it's like to me there's just no way to fully know really what any call is obviously unless you're in the meeting room but in terms of zone coverage a lot of times It just plays out like man coverage or the automatic check based on a formation is turning one person into man coverage. So you'll get these combo coverages where, I mean, the Eagles play them too, but the Jets will play cover four. So it's quarters, but then the backside cornerback is locked in man coverage. The backside linebacker is locked in man coverage. Like, do you want to call that man? Do you want to call that zone? I will say, you know, of course, for the charting services, it's the best thing we have. So it is extremely helpful and is extremely informative. But what I like about the Jets is They're saying, look, we're going to play our base stuff because we're almost always better than you at every single spot. And the Jets' corners—they don't travel, so it's going to be cool to see what the Eagles are going to do to get AJ Brown in advantageous situations. Maybe it's maybe it's our a time for another Devonta Smith game. Which, real quick, since we're going so long, so Devonta Smith walking on the sideline with Nick Sirianni—that was. That was that was an, a nice little moment. It felt like you know if if my audio goes out and Cliff, he's the Nick Sirianni in this situation, just telling me you know it's going to be okay. You know we can we can get through <laughs> the audio issues even even if everything is not sounding good. <laughs>
0: There you go. I, I love it. When you, when you give Cliff the shout out, he signs on and gives you the uh, thumbs up. No, that will be interesting. Yeah. Who do the, you know, Sauce Gardner uh, is going to be playing uh, left corner. And so who's lining up on that side, especially if they've got a backup, you know, their, their third guy playing the other outside corner spot. Obviously, you're going to want to take advantage uh, of that guy quite a bit there. So um, that's what to expect from the Jets defense. Other side of the ball, Jets offense versus the Eagles defense. Listen, we know the uh, the Jets offense is not a great offense. They are 28th in EPA. Do you like do you do any of these that like do you like looking at stats or no? Because like you're in sort of this like, like like the company you work for, right? They do a lot of analytic stuff, correct? I don't know how much you can say, but right? That's not talking out of line she'll candidly the the company that i work for
1: sumer sports check out a website give yeah. us a follow yeah, give them a shout I mean, out. yeah i mean all they do is stats and candidly you know i hope eric i hope you're not listening no i don't really like looking at the stats all <laughs> that much it's, it, no i'm just kidding I, I i do use it in terms of uh you want to see okay well are my eyes just totally off and there's there's so many times where like i'm watching something and i'm like you know like it looks like we're using 12 personnel a lot. And then it just helps to have that number to look at. It. And Shield, this is not, I mean, maybe if I had access to true media, like that is that is the gold standard. And I, I think at Sumer, mm. you know, on the website, we got a good access to, to some free data. Maybe people check it out, send me a DM. I'll tell you, I don't know what all the words mean, but no, I'm just kidding. The stats are extremely informative. <laughs> they're, they're really helpful. And what I like actually that you do is like when you give EPA and success rate, so you can use that to tell, okay, this is an offense. That is maybe efficient, but not explosive or in the opposite direction, um, explosive, but not efficient. I actually don't know which of the opposite of the first thing I just said, but yeah, when you're looking at the Jets offense, you know, you're looking at numbers that are a little bit closer to the bottom.
0: Yeah, no, I like that too. EPA, you're counting the turnovers, you're counting the explosive plays, uh, and then you look at success rate and that just, just tells you down to down. So I know actually listeners have asked about this before, like, why do you use this stat if it doesn't have X, Y, and Z. Why do you, so I like looking at them both because if a team is great in EPA per without trying to bore the audience here at like, you know, the second, the third hour of the show, uh, if a team is great in like EPA, but they're not great in success rate, that means they're really capitalizing on explosive plays and turnovers and high leverage stuff. And it's like, is that sustainable or not? It might be, it might not be, but it's something that's good to know, uh, the difference there. And then like, vice versa. If they're bad in EPA per drive, but they're really good in success rate, you could potentially make the argument that that team might be getting a little unlucky in some of those high leverage plays, but they're actually better than the other numbers suggest. So anyway, that's why I like looking at all those jets, 28th in EPA per drive, 31st in success rate. So they're bad in both. So we don't have to worry about it. Uh, 29th in DVOA, mostly a bad offense with uh, one of the worst starting quarterbacks, In the NFL, a banged up offensive line. They lost Elijah Vera Tucker, their best offensive lineman for the season, which you hate to say because he he lost his season uh, last year as well. He just got injured last week. They don't have Dwayne Brown, their veteran uh, left tackle. So they started rookie Joe Tippman at right guard last week. Uh, and they've got either Max Mitchell or Billy Turner at right tackle. So right side of their O-line is going to be a weakness. Um, some of the stuff we talked about with the side, how do you get guys one-on-ones? How do you scheme stuff up to take advantage of that? I think that'll be a big, uh, a big factor in this game. And then elsewhere on their offense, Brees Hall has looked incredible. Uh, fantastic running back had a great game last week. Garrett Wilson. I love Garrett Wilson. I want Garrett Wilson to be able to play with the quarterback who can get him the football. I thought he might lead the league in receiving yards this year with Aaron Rodgers. That's not going to happen with Zach Wilson, but still uh, a great player. So I think overall, if you're zooming out, the quarterback O-line combination is a big weakness for the Jets. Uh, As I, you know, put, I don't know if you noticed this in the doc, Sean, I put, this is a pad of your stats type game. For Eagles pass rushers in contract year. See, that's how my mind thinks. I'm always thinking about. Hey, you got to listen. This is a good game. It has to be out there on third down if you're looking for a new contract. All right. What Gee, did I miss? I, wait, you got to say. You also put a little
1: like colon parenthesis. So some. Yeah, give you a, a little smile smiley. Thing. But I want to ask yeah. you. Like, do you see? that? Like, do you call that like an emoticon? Do you like like where? Right. Like,
0: let's let's do a little generational thing here. Okay. Like like, what are you yeah. calling that? So I never used this. This this might be like, I, I don't know what got into me. I wanted, you, I wanted to get your attention to me, you know, because this could be a very dry Google Doc where I'm asking you like, what was this coverage on third and seven? So I got that in there. And then I went colon and parentheses. And what I didn't notice that Google Doc does, like they gave me the option to turn that into an emoji like that could have been a yellow smile. Even though you could do this, that could have been a yellow Wait, smiley and you, face. And you,
1: you turned that down? I turned like, it you, down. You, you, you that was too much.
0: On I said, no, I put, I, I X'd it out. <laughs> I said, if we're going old school. We'll just do a, you know, I'll probably never use that. I feel uncomfortable looking at it. Like, that's not me. That's not in my personality. I'll have to come up with something else to put in there so that, you know, hey, Sheil's having a light moment on this otherwise confusing, disorganized uh, Google doc that he sends me every week.
1: You know, yeah, it feels like you're always (laughs) having light moments, but you know, a team that hasn't had as many light moments, of course, the Jets offense. And as you said, Brees Hall is he is is really good. I'm glad to see him off of injury, looking healthy, looking fast. He can get to the secondary pretty quickly on you. They run a lot of wide zones, so with that stretch and cut kind of mentality, but he'll also run duo where it looks like he is just running straight to the end zone. And as you said, you know, quarterback maybe isn't the best in the league, not who they expected to have under center. And something that's interesting there is sometimes you want to force them into second reaction plays because that's where some of those turnover-worthy throws can come in. And as a defense, I think the Eagles really do just need to be able to capitalize on that. And it, it feels like maybe the game doesn't get my first screen. This week. I, I don't wanna I don't wanna yeah, dis- disparage if it. You have, <laughs> if dis- you have the <laughs> option.
0: Yeah, I gotta do a <laughs> post-game pod. So I'll be uh tuned. There are a lot of good games this week, though. So I, I would completely understand if you're like, I can just get to I'm gonna have to watch the film anyway. I'll watch the film, my attention on Sunday. Uh will be elsewhere. We'll see. I mean, Eagles are in a good spot. They're I think six and a half point favorites uh in this game. Again, their defense, I would expect their defense to play really well in this game. And while their offense might not put up 40, it's like they should have enough answers offensively to deal with this Jets defense. So we'll see uh, what happens there. All right, um, so I promise they won't all be this. Like you probably had plans, you know, maybe do a late dinner with your wife or something, and you're like, "Listen, this guy. Not only did we start late, but now he kept me uh, for longer than he said he was going to." So I apologize. It won't happen every time, okay? I, pro- I can't promise, but I'll try to not make it happen uh every time sean give the plugs what do you got what do you got going on uh this week with the content
1: yep just follow me on on twitter x whatever you want to call it i love saying that every week because i'm still not really sure what we should call it but at side schemes it's really, really where you'll see everything do a podcast on the sumer sports show feed write an article called the thursday three which actually had two concepts that the eagles used this week one was called heat one was called counter bash which we talked about and yeah, she'll. I, I will say I'm thankful to be on Central Standard Time. You know, I think it's better to have, you know, when Sheil wants to go late. It, it doesn't feel as late for me. And then on Sundays, you know, you, you say one o'clock kickoff, but I'm telling you, it's it's better to have that 12 o'clock kickoff. And then it just makes the day run a little better.
0: I do agree with that. Then my, my two years in Seattle, I've said it before, I love the West Coast sports uh, viewing experience. So
1: Central, you're not wait, quite wait, getting it, there. But is, yeah. is that a, that's a 10 a.m. kickoff on
0: the West Coast? The 10 a.m. kickoff, 9 a.m. college. That's,
1: that's ridiculous. That's too early.
0: Well, the London, I'm thinking about the London game, 6.30 a.m. West <laughs> Coast. Are you tuning into the London games or no? Are you up, up and at them with your pancakes on uh, <laughs> on Sunday watching London football or no? Uh,
1: not, not intentionally, but I will <laughs> end up having just one eye open. And thankfully, we're at the point where you can just throw the game on your phone. So... Uh, man, I mean, I'm glad the Eagles don't have to have to do that travel, and I feel like they get lucky with having having enough games in time slots where it's it's nice and yeah. comfortable for me.
0: The London games are ruining the American family. That's my final. I mean, come on, can I get a morning? Like you got kids, you got stuff to do. I don't need a London game. All right, That's wait till blend they on me, that wait one. till
1: they wait till they got a full <laughs> team out there, Shield. They're they're gonna get it.
0: Wait till they get that team in London. There you go. All right. Check out everything Sean does. He's doing a brilliant job. Appreciate all the feedback from all the listeners saying how much you have been enjoying uh, his appearances. I've been enjoying them too. Learning a lot every week. I'm going to go look for, you know, I might be feeling MDM at some point later this week. Who knows? All right. Thanks to everyone for listening. Thank you to Sean. Thank you to Cliff. I'll be back tomorrow. We got a Phillies game. Aaron, I mean, this is why I just feel like I need to talk to somebody because in like, uh, less than 24 hours, I have to watch Aaron Nola on the mound in a critical game three. So we'll do a post game pod after that one. We'll do a post game pod, uh, after game four, Cliff has told me he wants to get in again and watch on one of those podcasts. We'll do that. And I of course have to make my game pick. I'm not making my game pick on a Tuesday night. We don't even know who's playing yet, but I will make my game pick on one of those. All right, thanks to everyone for listening. Uh, We'll talk to you soon on The Ringers, really special. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino, LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit FanDuel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Kentucky, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Tennessee, and Virginia. Call 1-800-NEXTSTEP or text step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777, or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut. 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700, or visit ksgamblinghelp.com in Kansas, 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana, visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.NET in West Virginia, or call one 800 4700 in Wyoming Hope is here. Visit GamblingHelplineMA.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support in Massachusetts or call 1-877-8HOPENY or text HOPENY in New York.